Hello and welcome to another fun-filled episode of Spirekins Television Tuesday, the podcast where we talk about new and recent television shows. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. And we're back once again for another fun-filled episode. Now, remember to check out any of our other episodes at www.spirekin.com. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and various other social media sites. And more importantly than that... Are we on YouTube? Yes, we are. We're on YouTube as an audio file. More importantly than that, you are, might be hearing this early because you are part of our Patreon program. So congratulations. Remember to check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Spirekin and patreon.podbean.com forward slash Spirekin. Ooh. And ah. And let's get to it because we've got three TV shows to talk about. Two of them are new and one of them's a little bit older, but as a fan request, we're going to be doing this. But beforehand, I've got a little bit of news. One of the shows that we've been talking about since last year, a show which is near and dear to our heart, Prodigal Son, officially has been canceled. Which I'm really upset about. It really does suck that it got canceled. It was a good show. Unfortunately, when they went on that weird erratic schedule, I think that's when things were kind of going wrong. Because that was weird. They had a gap, one episode, and then another gap. It wasn't like last year when there was, oh, we had restrictions because of COVID-19. It was just a weird gap they did. It's a great show, though, and it's a shame that they had introduced other characters. And while we haven't reviewed any of the recent episodes because we're behind, we might do a just straight-up rest-of-the-season episode where we talk about everything that had gone on. What do you think? Just uh, to kind of recap it? Can Yeah. We can. Also, remember, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can email us personally at, at zanitspirekin.com. Remember to like and subscribe. And one final reminder, how the show works is the first half is going to be spoiler-free. And then after the music, we have our spoiler section show. If you have not watched or read any of these things, stop when the music starts. And then once you've watched it, go back Unless afterwards. you like things being spoiled, and then stay tuned. Yes, because we've got some big spoilery things to talk about. But let's start off with the first one, which is a show which is really, really good and very compelling, I gotta say. Talking about Star Wars' The Bad Batch, Episode 3, Replacements, and this is directed by Nathan Villanueva. And I've gotta say, this third episode, usually there's a three-episode rule of is it gonna be good or is it gonna be bad, and this show keeps getting better and better. But it does help that this was made by an established group of characters that were made earlier in another show, right? Do you do you think it's as good as The Mandalorian? A uh, different genre. I don't think it's as good as Mandalorian. Mandalorian is Mandalorian. This is... But I like it. This is based on the Clone Wars, so it's dealing with a completely different thing. This is not a bounty hunter. These are former soldiers who are now on the it's run. It's not live action. It's... it's CG. Cartoon, if you will. And this episode, I've got to say, was a lot of fun and set up a lot of little things, a lot of little Easter eggs. So long story short, after the last episode, when the Bad Batch escaped from Salukami, they end up kind of crash landing on a moon where a pivotal piece of their ship is stolen from them. So they have to go. Well, no, it's, something's damaged in flight. They land to fix it. They crash land to fix it. And then they... The park gets stolen by something. After it's been quote-unquote fixed. Yeah, and they now have to get it back. Meanwhile, on Kamino, you have Admiral Tarkin now getting a new assistant, and they're setting up a new elite squad that's going to be headed up by former Bad Batch member Crosshairs. And will these new non-clone soldiers be as good as the original clones, or are they going to be too independent thinking? 
that's how this episode goes, and it sets up a lot of things. they're recruits, right? Yes, they are not clones. They are just recruited from the Empire to be part of the army. And one's like, I can now have four square meals a day. And, and a roof over my head. This is great. Yeah, and this cements Crosshair as an actual threat. And also gives him a little more nuance to what's going on in his head. And a super leader. I don't know if he's a super leader. I think it's more just fear. But it's well done, what's going on with him. And then we have, of course, the machinations of uh, Lama Su and Yao Nala. The, um, or sorry, Nala Se. Uh, the Kamino prime minister and the Kamino scientist as they're making plots on the side because they want to stay relevant. Because they want to stay relevant. More importantly than that, in the Empire, from what we know in the future, the Empire is very xenophobic and clone-phobic, so they've got to stay in the good graces or else they're going to get executed. So this is leading to ideas later on. We're going to have to wait and see. And overall, the two storylines were well done, I think. I think they set up a lot as opposed to just the one storyline which happened last episode where it's just, okay, here's what's going on on... Salukami with the Bad Batch meeting up with Cut and then them having to get him off the island, off the planet rather. This one, it's more we have the two simultaneous events occurring and there's lots of great cuts and sequences of them doing two different locations, different actions, but it's working simultaneously. So you have that intense tension happening because you have this happening here, but then on the other side, it's this is happening there. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, you can see what's happening in different parts of the universe. It's all going on at the same time. I like what Omega brings to the table. She's there for the kids. You know she's there for the kids. They needed a a hook for the kids, and that's what she's there for. And she kind of works. But she also makes the Bad Batch softer, sweet, like the good guys. Like, it's clear these are the good guys, even though we're calling them the Bad Batch. And Crosshairs is obviously evil he's not evil he's he's evil he's brainwashed no he's been brainwashed he's brainwashed like all the other ones because rex wasn't evil he's got his chip but he's choosing to listen to it or no it's they at the the end of the first episode they cranked it to 11 it's like this he's kind of following us but he's still kind of being negative let's crank it to 11 now he's total devout but there is some elements of old crosshair so overall i think a great episode We'll get more into the spoilers in the spoiler section, but this one sets up a lot. And also there's some references to some of the Star Wars uh, future movies as well. We'll see how that goes. Now, next, The Masked Singer, Episode 9, the quarterfinals, the five fan favorites. And we are down to five. Uh, The Black Swan, the Chameleon, the Piglet, the Yeti, and the Russian Dolls. Technically, it's going to be... The f- final eight, because the Russian dolls cheat. It's their first band that they've ever had. That's not cheating. It's Masked Singer, not Masked Singers. I mean, they already started cheating with last year with the the stupid snow Couples. owls. The snow owl was dumb. This one, the Russian dolls just went crazy. Next, they're going to have like the 54-member band as one costume. Like they're a, and then that will a be mili- a mili- Yeah. But this was pretty good. We had some great sessions on it. Also, Oh my gosh, they should have the pentatones go on. No, they 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 know it's them immediately. The yeah, but no, but have them sing to music, not just a cappella. That could be interesting, but don't give them ideas yet. So we had this group, and I think that it's well done how they set things up, and the guest 
judge of the episode was Rob Riggle, which I'm shocked he's was there. How are you shocked that he's there? I don't expect him to be a TV guy. He's more of a bad movie guy. He plays assholes. Yeah, but he's like Ken's friend. That's true. That's probably why they got him is because he's Ken's friend. Yeah, 100%. And him messing with Ken was equally awesome. But that's what that's what everybody does. Yeah, but it makes you feel bad for Ken. It really does. Does it? Kind of. A little bit. So, overall, great sections done by everybody. Uh, we'll go more into the, what our thoughts on the reveal was, because that was kind of not shocking, but shocking as well. And we had a great setup. I mean, you had Russian Doll singing I'm Still Standing, Black Swan singing Thinking Out Loud, Piglet singing Superstition by Stevie Wonder, and opening up amazing with an opera opening. Which and was epic. The Yeti singing Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flatts, which was out of nowhere. And then Chameleon singing Drop It Like It's Hot by Snoop Dogg featuring Pharrell Williams. Trying to prove that he's not Snoop. You're still on the theory that it's Snoop. I mean, he might be Snoop. It's not. He's not. It's not. I I agree with you. Well, we'll get into that in the spoiler section, our our theories about who's who and what's what and all of that. Yeah, but I said I thought it was Snoop last time. Yeah. That's not spoiler. But I told you it's not Snoop because his voice is different. Snoop has a very unique way of speaking. Even when he tries to mask it, he has that... That kind of faux shizzle my nizzle voice. He created the faux shizzle. No, that's his natural voice because he's so high and messed up. He does not have an eloquent voice. His most, even in like serious conversations, he talks like that. It's his cadence is that. He is friends with Martha They both went to prison, so it's not, it's not a big thing. But it's fun to see Martha Stewart say Snoop because she enunciates it <laughs> Or well. Snoop Lion now or whatever. Snoop something. So now let's actually get to the other show. And this is a show which actually came out in 2018. But because it was recently released on Amazon, we're going to be talking about it. And this is a show that was produced by Mammoth Screen and distributed by ITV and Amazon Studios. And it's starring, surprisingly, someone I didn't think of in a long time. One of my favorite members of the Monty Python group, Michael Palin, is starring in it. As the author of the story and the narrator, and also the person you see at the beginning of every single episode, you have Olivia Cook playing a headstrong young woman who's not really the best type for her deal. You have Susanna Jones as a snobbish headmistress. Claudia Jesse as a very nice friend of Olivia Cook's character who is trying her best to be a good friend even though this might not be in her best interest. You have David Flynn paying uh, Claudia Jesse's more strange brother. Is he strange? Weird. He's a little weird. You have Claire Skinner playing uh, their mother. Uh, Simon Russell Bale playing the siblings' fathers. You have Charlie Rao playing a douchey guy who's engaged to Claudia Jesse's character. And he is totally an elite snob. You have Johnny Flynn as his other friend, who is the perfect guy, but he's kind of an idiot. And then finally, rounding out the group, you have Martin Clunes playing a very mysterious and potentially rude old man that we meet in the end of the episode. And he's kind of... Something's wrong with him, though. Yeah. And so the story that we are talking about is based on the 1814 novel by William Makepeace Thackeray, 
known simply as Vanity Fair or Vanity Fair Pen and Pencil Sketches of English Society. Yes, it's an adaptation of this series which has been made so many other times. I think the most popular version of this currently is the one with Reese Witherspoon. That was a movie. Yep. But it's a weird, interesting satirization of early 19th century British society. And actually every chapter of the book was framed as a puppet play. And the author, who was Thackeray, would kind of say, here's what's going on in this story, and then he would go into it. And so the actual opening of the show is you see a carousel going on, and you see Michael Palin as William Makepeace Thackeray, like snap his finger like magic, turn on the carousel, the characters show up, and then he says, welcome to Vanity Fair, and he literally is explaining what's going on, like how it's all a show and... Well, not like a TV show, but like how it's a how things are not always what they seem, right? And it goes into that's the how it concept. is. That's how the whole thing is. Things are not as they seem. It's pretty much not verbatim from the original story, but it has that feel to it. And then I like how every single time it transitions into the opening of the episode, it goes into it's the carousel spins, and then it shows the scene set changes, and then you hear him say what the title is as a matter of fact of what's going on in the episode. And in this first episode, it is simply titled Miss Sharp in the Presence of the Enemy. And this episode was directed by James Strong. And I've got to say, for a first episode, an introductory into Vanity Fair... It hooks you. It kind of does, which is kind of crazy, because you have, like I said, Olivia Cook is playing Becky Sharp, an orphan who is the daughter of an artist and a French opera opera dancer no she's a dancer it says opera the show says opera singer the book was an opera dancer Hmm. so she's kind of double threat but because of that her parents are both dead and she is would you want would you say expelled (laughs) or does she no it's the end of term she graduates uh she she completed schooling yes at miss pinkerton's uh school for young ladies with her best friend Amelia Sedley, who is... Well, she's not her best friend. She's... Her a, only friend. A friend. She's... No, she's the only one that tolerates Becky her. Sharp is Amelia's, like, best friend. Yeah. Because she's suckered into it. The thing is that Amelia is too stupid to realize that Becky's a horrible person. She's too kind to realize it. She doesn't know that the world is a horrible place yet. And that's... And Becky is someone who's had to deal with so much, and she's essentially... Like everyone else, they have their life ahead of them, and Miss Pinkerton straight up says to her, yeah, you know what, I'm shocked that you were here, you were horrid, and I've got you a job. Yep. As a th- Essentially, thank me for getting you a job as a governess at a horrible place. Well, because otherwise she'd just be out on the street. Yeah. Everyone else is having a good life, and Amelia's like, no, listen, let me take you home, you have a week, because she hasn't arranged for anything for a week as you go on the street, you could stay with me, and maybe we'll find a different answer to your problem, which is the issue at hand. Like, maybe you can marry. Yes, uh, her brother Joss, played by David Flynn, who is a India company man, who sells spices and things in India, and he's also a little bit childish. He's fussy. He's different. Then you have uh, Amelia's fiance, George Osborne, a company man, who is a soldier who is a bit of a snob because his parents are soldiers and merchants, 
And they want better than this family, the Sedleys, who have a no, dark secret. No, he, he doesn't want Becky Sharp as a sister-in-law. He wants the his brother, like their arranged marriage, he already knows that he's stuck with the girl, which is he's okay with, even though his best friend's in love with her. Um, but he doesn't want, he refuses to have his sister-in-law be a someone from nothing. If he's going to have a fancy pants brother-in-law that's a little silly that's in india a lot and odd on his own right he at least wants him to have a good marriage to on paper a good girl he's just a horrible douche yeah uh the parents but he's just as bad as becky sharp yeah that's true but becky is just she's playing the system she's totally playing the system and really in a bad way and the only person who really sees her for who she is in the beginning is the servant of the family who's just straight up like, yeah. He's like, you're not going to be here long. He's like, enjoy it while you can. You're out of here. It's kind of rude. And uh, we, we can't forget the best friend, uh, William Dobbins, played by Johnny Flynn, who is stupidly in love with Amelia and is the better man. But he doesn't seem to have the... Gumption? No, I, I was going to say that, but he doesn't have the drive to... I was going to say the cojones. Throw out, yeah. To throw away his friendship with George Osborne and say, I'm a better person than you because he cares about her. Uh, Osborne is just using her, essentially, because he's engaged to her. That's I don't think he's using her. I think he He doesn't love her. No, but I think that's his lot, and he's just going to deal with it. But uh, George sabotages the events of the episode. Slight spoilers, but again, this is a book from 18 since so. And it's a required reading in a lot of schools, so it might sound a little bit familiar. If you're a diehard um, Downton Abbey fan, even Miss Baxter references Becky Sharp. I mean, they reference a lot of old literature. Oh, hold your tongue, Miss Becky Sharp. Yes, yes, yes. Very true. So overall, a very interesting show with a nice premise to it. It's so far. It's a great adaptation. It's an interesting adaptation, and I'm someone who's not a fan of Victorian literature. And I've got to say, <laughs> you're stuck with me. Yeah, but I'm saying more importantly than that it's something which actually will draw you in. It's something that you can enjoy because of all the little subtle things going on. So, I think that's it for our our non spoiler reviews. Remember, you can check out any of our episodes at www.spyker.com, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and all the other social media sites. Remember to support our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Spirekin, where you can check out any of our four tiers, which will give you different benefits based on which tier you get. Uh, Help us to make this podcast great. We're going to do the best we can to keep going. And as usual, I'm Zen. I'm Greta. We're gone. We'll catch you guys next time and keep watching TV. See you in a moment. Bye.
time! Spoiler time! So yes, we're now back to the spoiler section. So if you have not watched these, stop listening now and go watch the stuff beforehand because we're going to spoil a lot that's going on. And you've been warned, so let's get to it. We're starting, as usual, going backwards. So first, Vanity Fair. And episode one deals with, like we said, Becky Sharp and Amelia get released from Miss Pinkerton's. They go to Becky, uh, sorry, Amelia Sedley's home to meet her family and try to set up Becky with Joss, the eldest son. How does this go? Not well, because George... Well, it looked good there for a hot moment. Oh, it was... She was. She had him wrapped around her finger. The only problem was that one. The first time he was going to propose to her, he saw cake. He, and he got l- distracted. He literally was like, uh, "Miss Shop, I might. I. I, I want to. Ooh, cake!" And he just stops to get cake. And she's like, "What were you going to say? Keep saying it." And his brain just goes to cake land. He's a little bit of a chunky guy. Little chunky. He enjoys his cake. Yeah, and then later on, they end up going to a. Indian themed bazaar at night. It's a huge party, very cool, uh, totally not authentic. Like this is like we read a book about India, so we made a whole thing. That's what it is, actually, right? It's like Chinese food. Uh, no, some there's some most. Some it's like going to Panda Express and saying, "Welcome to our Chinese adventure." Yes. That's it exactly. It's that. It's like these people probably have never seen India before. You know that. There's a guy who's a fortune teller who's like, he's not Indian. He's like, no, his accent, he's from the South End. Totally from the South End. Right. I'll tell you your future. Ha, 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 ha. And apparently now he's a pirate. However, we digress. So uh, Josh gets drunk, ends up proposing essentially to Amelia, not Amelia, to Becky, and George is like, yep, nope, you're not doing that. Listen, we're taking him with me. We're going to go home. Like, you can't marry her. She's not good enough for you. Uh, Don't make a fool out of yourself. And she's and he's like, no one else is going to say yes to me. No one else will love me like that because he thinks she loves him. Yeah, she's playing him, but she's been really nice to him. She's not being jerky to him. And she really is the best he could do. Because he just... Yes. Yeah, most modern women at that time would not give him the time of day. So that happens. He can't carry on a conversation. He cannot. He's like afraid of women. But with her, he can. So it's kind of a Because she's encouraging and patient. Because she can get something out of it. She's not doing it out of the kindness. She's not in love with him. And Amelia, the thing is, she's in love with George. Always has been. And he treats her really badly. And then uh, Dobbins, their third friend, worships the ground she, she's on. And he's very nice to her. He's polite. He's caring. He takes care of her. And when George treats her like garbage, he tries to step up. But he can't. Because he is too, like, this is not my woman. Yeah. That's a shame. Uh, but the episode ends where, because of the machinations of George, who is the enemy, uh, Becky has to go away to her... She has to go to the governess assignment. And a a really drunk, nice old man shows up in a car, in a carriage, and is like, oh, I'm here to take you, pretty lady. And she ends up going in the car, like the carriage. It is a carriage, so either way, car is short for carriage. But anyway, goes in the carriage to the house of Sir Pitt Crawley the Elder. And when they get there, the house is 
lights are off. It looks like it's been abandoned. And she's like, are you sure the person's supposed to be here? He's like, of course the person's supposed to be here. I should know. Turns out the, the driver, who's kind of a lech, is Sir Pitt Crawley, the elder. He just likes to drive his own carriage and be a bit of a pervert. But it's also a good way of getting the measure of a person. Yeah, because they think you're someone else. And they don't, they're don't. they not heirs. Right. But he's still really like, there are red flags all over the place with him. He's very... He's like, are you sure you're going to be okay alone in this room? Like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, oh, I can come in and stay with you. And she's like, no, I'll be I'll be fine. And props the, the chair against the door. Yeah, he totally is going to take advantage of her at some point or try to. We know this. And that's where the episode ends. And it's setting up for she's going to have a pretty shitty life. Or a good life, depending. Because I've actually never read Vanity Fair. I just looked up some of the elements about it. So, don't know. But so far, it seems interesting. It's not terrible. But now let's get to another show, a different show, a more musical show. Yes, we're talking about Masked Singer. Who is that? <laughs> yes, the Masked Singer. And as we're going to just say it out loud, who did not realize that the Russian dolls were not Hanson? We all knew this from episode one. You mean they are Hanson? They are Hanson. And the crazy part is we all knew it's Hanson, but they got kicked out even though they were really good this episode. They were. They were very good. They were better than two of the people in this. So it's just Hanson was always talented. They just everybody only knew the one song and then you got tired of it and then there wasn't another one. But the thing is that They're still a band though. But this show, it's who's the best out of this group. And in this group, these five, they were really good. They weren't crappy. And it wasn't a nitpicky like, oh, they were off sync. This is just, we know who they are. We're going to vote them out. That's why they did it. It wasn't that because, let's be honest, the Black Swan was terrible and the Yeti was pretty bad. Oh, I kind of, I thought the Yeti was pretty good. I'm not a fan of of country. I'm done with the pig. Oh, the piglet should go. But when he did the opera in the beginning for Superstition, that was like, okay, you, you have my attention at this point. Yeah. The chameleon, yeah, it's not Snoop. We know it's not Snoop. Might be but for, it's it might tall be and it skinny. might be Pharrell. Is Pharrell that skinny? Yeah. Might Is be Pharrell, Pharrell that tall? Again, he's wearing platforms. No he's just way. gotta be six foot. True, because celebrities are never as tall as youth. Yes. So who knows? And the black swan hopefully is gone by next episode. I think the black swan is awesome. I'm just I've had enough. I think the black swan has to go, or the piglet has to go. But we're going to have to wait and see how that episode goes. Who knows? Uh, also, the guesses are just as bad as usual, and our thoughts on who everybody is. I have no idea who any of them are. This isn't like last year where I was like, okay, I know who this is. This is, I am lost. Yeah. I'm really lost everybody. I have no idea who half these people are like. This year, they've gotten tougher and tougher to figure out who everybody is. Well, it's also gotten more obscure. No, like, um, Logan Paul was not obscure. He's really relevant. It's just... actually Logan Paul. Well, I got it was Logan Paul, but yeah, so that was from a couple episodes ago, which we didn't talk about because that was during the downtime for this podcast. Anyway, so let's get on with Bad Batch. And holy shit, seeing... Crosshair just straight up killing one of the ESs. That was just... 
I mean, like a woman. No, it wasn't. It was not the woman. It was the it was the guy who was being a prick. Oh. He totally deserved it, but it still sucked. Because you saw it, it was like, he's like, yeah, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to go back and say that we failed. And he's like, you know why they put me in charge? Because I follow orders. Boom. And just kill them. And then they look at him like, uh, what do we do now? It's like, finish the mission. And the and guy says no. And so he kills him. And he's like, okay, kill the rest of them. And they just slaughter this group that they were supposed to catch on uh, on Duran because they were trying to find Saw Guerrero, and none of them knew where he was. Turns out that they're civilians. They're just getting res- rescue off the planet, and they just get slaughtered by crosshairs. And that's just such a chilling moment. Yeah, I don't like crosshairs. He's a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's been hip- he's been brainwashed. That's the truth. And then we see the elements of him regretting his decisions at the end of the episode when their barracks is the old uh, clone. Uh, Troop 99's barracks, and he's in his old spot. But he, as he walks in, he stops and he looks at the hatch marks that Wrecker used to make every time they had a successful mission. And he stops for a second and he sees the paintings that Tech put down and the slashes that everybody did. And he's like, This feels weird. I don't know. He seems to be sleeping just fine. No, the last scene is him just staring, just kind of. He's fine with his actions. It's he's upset that he betrayed his brothers. And he does not like the other ES members because all the ES members, when they met him, they were giving him crap, saying, oh, you're just a clone. You don't know what it's like. Because when the get-go happened, they were immediately rude to him. And they were worse than the regs. Because the regs, they treat him like garbage. Don't f- but the ES troopers, who are now hit under his command, they're now, they will do whatever he says now because he's proven Because himself. he'll kill them. Yeah. And finding out about um, now Vice Admiral Rampart's role in everything, that's really cool. Because he actually made the project that he's working on that Tarkin puts him in charge of is referenced in Rogue One when they're looking through the files for the Death Star plans. Oh, interesting. So I didn't a, know that. And that's they're replacing all of the clones with non-personnel. With, re- with non-clone personnel, which is going to be pretty bad for the clones, but... I mean, they're clones. But we see that the real troopers, the non-clone troopers, they can't shoot for anything. Clone troopers can shoot. They're good. So the non-clone troopers, eh. No, 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 no. They're just not that accurate. Remember the clones in, or the troopers in the end of Mandalorian Season 1? They're trying to shoot the can, just, push, just missing horribly. and like, it's not working. It's not working. Let's try it again. Great sequence in the first, uh, the season one finale of Mandalorian, that whole sequence of them just trying to fire. But while this is going on and Tarkin showing his hatred for clones, we have uh, Lama Su and Nala Se, the Kaminoian scientist and prime minister, plotting. Well, I don't think that Nala Se is plotting. She's just stuck in the situation where she's like, yeah, you did this before. You think that you can perfect this? And she's like, yeah, I think so. But I need raw material from one of the clones to make an enhanced soldier. And so do you think... That's if- code for she needs DNA. And they're not going to give it willingly. But wh- who is she needed from? Does she need it from Jango Fett? Are they going to be hunting him down? Or, well, he's dead, so they're going to need Boba. Or... Are they going to be looking for uh, one of the Bad Batch? But the thing is with the Bad Batch is they have 
flawed DNA. So they can't get it from them. They can't unless it's the only one which makes sense that they that, that would have perfect DNA at this point is maybe Omega. So it might be her that they're after. And what do they need from her? Just a vial of blood? A the, tooth? No. To make clones, they're going to need a decent, like a steady amount of DNA. So we don't know. Now going back to the Bad Batch themselves, our main characters, this episode was, besides a little character building them, landing on a, on a, pl- on a moon as crash landing, and then them having to deal with an Ordo moon dragon who stole their parts... Kind of cool seeing them interact. Moon dragon. Seeing. Do you know what I've learned about moon dragons? What? They don't like light being shining in their face. Most people don't like light being shining in their but faces. But it's not a person. A dragon. Well, it's not a dragon. It's a lizard. It's like a Komodo dragon. It's not a real dragon. Like a cryot, a cryot dragon is like that big giant monster. This is not a cryot dragon either. But anyway, or crate dragon. It's a dragon. Yeah, kind of. But I like that when they're crashing, Wrecker's like, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. And he looks at Omega and he's like, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're not going to die. We're going to be just fine. It's everything's going to be okay. And Hunter has to I keep... have to suspected him to go, mommy. They don't, he doesn't have a mommy. But it's the quintessential. Yeah, big guy line. I like that Hunter has to tell Wrecker, we have a new, another person. You can't be greedy. And he's like a little kid. He's really like a petulant little kid. Like, I, I'm still hungry. It's like, oh, food rest, oh, rations. He's like, oh, no. He's like, she doesn't even have a, a place to sleep. No, she says, uh, uh, he tells her that when he's going to eat the food. And then I like that. Because uh, don't take it from her. He, She doesn't even have a place to bunk. Because she offered it to him saying, here, you eat it. But he's like, you need it. And then I didn't expect Wrecker to, because he said he was hurt. And I thought he actually was hurt and something was wrong. But then seeing that he actually lied to build her a bunk. Was so sweet. He's my favorite. He's the one that, again, that he's made for for kids. And he gave her his stuffed animal friend. She's his plush friend. He's my favorite. He's doing well and they're building him more to be just a lovable goon. Building more about... He's like the uncle. And they're building Omega to be more like she's learning what's going on. She goes to help out. Uh, Hunter when they have to get the power source back. And She's actually the one that gets the power source. But they want to make her important because kids need to have someone they could rely on and understand. Well, I like her better than everybody else. <laughs> Except for maybe Wrecker. Oh, Hunter does a good job being it and Tech does a great job saying things No, they like, all do. Except for... Crosshair is just... Crosshair. He's Crosshair is just... He was good. He was, he was actually one of the most noble of the members. It's just... Order 66 drove them crazy, and a lot of them were good people. Just Order 66. I don't know. Like, they're going to have to do what they did with Rex to him. They're going to have to go into his brain and remove the chip. Yeah, they could do that. But we don't know where that's going to go. You didn't have a lot for um, for Echo to do, really. I mean, Echo was doing some repairing, and then he's the one that found that there was the Ordo Moon Dragon by finding the slash marks on the ship. But he really didn't do much. I would have liked to have seen him go out there as well. Because they're down to just... Their offensive team is now Wrecker and Hunter. That's it. They're the ones that... That's their scouts now. Like, Tech does is just going to... I'm going to fix the ship. That's all he's doing. And Echo is their mechanic, essentially. Yeah. It feels off. Their balance feels off. But maybe that's because since they're missing uh, crosshair. But they're crosshair, only off by one. 
Yeah, but it just see, it feels like you could feel a, an imbalance in the group. And Omega is starting to feel that because she's able to adapt. Hopefully she gets something that's her niche, that's her specialty besides her being... I think we're going to find the out The only soon. female clone. I hope it's not that she has midichlorian because that's going to be dumb. It's really going to be dumb if she's a Jedi. Keep Jedi out of the show except as something that they may be hunting or may be dealing with. But overall, this is one of the better episodes of the series so far. The first one is amazing, but that's also because it was a, it was a ninety minute episode, so it doesn't it should really count. It's like three episodes in one. But this is a stronger episode than episode two, I think, because we get more of what's going on with Crosshair, and we see the team dynamic now that they are officially on the run and they have to maintain their home, which is their ship now, because they're civilians now. Well, they're deserters, so. But they're the good guys. According, Even though they're uh, called a bad batch. According to... That's because they're a bad batch of clones, which makes sense. But they're not really the good guys. Think about it from, from, from the politics point of view. The Imperial Empire, their number one their number one squad has abandoned their post and left. After refusing to follow orders for the new government. Yeah, I get it. They're, they're traitors to the Empire. Now, for Star Wars fans, that's 100% true because our main characters that we enjoy are all Rebellion. So, yeah, they're the good guys. But it's we have all the factions to deal with, but the Empire is horrible. Sorry, 501st members who are listening. (laughs) But a lot of them know that they're the bad guys. Yeah, but they're bad guys doing good. But they're good. Yes, they are. Like Wreck-It Ralph. And that's what the file first says. They're bad guys doing good. And this is, they are bad guys doing good in this one. But they haven't done anything good, really. They just saved the day for their fellow deserter, and now they crash landed. Don't know what's going on in the next episode, though, but I will say that I am liking this director, uh, Nathan Villanueva. I don't know. Something about him makes him seem interesting. I don't mm. know what his direction style it, it works a little bit. Why? Cool name. Definitely a cool name. Anyway, so that's it for this episode. As usual, uh, hope you guys enjoyed. If there's another show you want us to talk about, let us know. You can email us at xanatspirekin.com uh, or tweet us at Spirekin. Uh, the next show that we're really going to be talking about that we're focusing on is Loki. That's going to be in the middle of June, but we do need something else. I don't know what we're going to do, though. I mean, there's got to be some other show that's going to be that's coming out. I mean, Lego comes out soon, but we need some other good shows. We'll find something else I'm going to talk about. Worry not, ladies and gentlemen, besides this. So as usual, I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We're Gonsville. Catch you guys next time, and keep watching TV. See ya.